0: This is The Business Breakfast with Oanda. Online trading,
1: currency data, money transfers.
0: Very good morning to you. This is The Business Breakfast. Here's Craig Earlham, who's market analyst at Oanda. And looking at those fresh record highs, and it's not just tech stocks now, is it? It looks as though these vaccine stories that were going around yesterday are putting a real fire under the markets.
1: Justified, do you think? I mean I'm not sure necessarily that you can say the record highs are justified. Uh I mean it's it's very difficult obviously we we have to adapt to the the changing world in which we live in and these tech stocks are performing extremely well on the basis that they have uh, almost had a huge leap forward uh, throughout the course of this pandemic because of evolving trends that as we've already previously discussed on the show, we're, we're, we're materialising prior to the pandemic and we're just significantly ex- accelerated. But I do also think the expectations are now extremely high on that part. So uh, you could certainly argue that they are overvalued given where we currently are. But as you said, yesterday it was more of a broad-based rally. It's not necessarily entirely surprising. Whenever we get positive vaccine news, we do tend to get a bump, bump in the markets and it is more widespread like you say uh, tech companies have done very well throughout this pandemic because people have been forced to shop online etc everyone will benefit from a vaccine because if people can return to the shops and people can return to the office and people can go out and socialize and see friends then there's a lot more companies that will benefit from that And almost to an extent uh, at the expense uh, of the tech firms maybe not entirely but at least partially
0: Let me take you back to that old-fashioned thing called price-earnings ratio. It sounds a bit technical, but it's pretty simple, isn't it? It's basically looking at share price projections and how much a company would have to earn to match that share price. Um, We're we're looking at something I haven't seen since the tech bubble of the early 2000s.
1: And that is the the big fear. Expectations have risen so much that many of these P-E ratios do seem completely out of whack especially if you look at a company like Tesla for example again a company we've discussed many times on the show before their share price is really reflective of where everyone thinks they can go rather than where they currently stand so earnings now seem completely out of whack as I say with the actual uh, price of the stock I think at one point it may have even been around 500 which is quite uh, extraordinary when your your typical price earnings ratio the price of the company of earnings is around seven maybe fifteen 20 even uh, even kind of at, like at peak times and with many of these stocks now it vastly exceeds that which again does create concerns about a potential bubble but it, it this is always going to be a difficult period because if we have seen a massive acceleration in the trend then the price is going to reflect what we call forward earnings uh, which is uh, effectively anticipated earnings and the, the difficulty with anticipated earnings is Right now, it's not real. It's all a projection. Uh, And as we've seen with many, many things over these years, projections aren't always correct, and therefore they're always going to be up for uh, criticism or at least disagreement.
0: Give us your take on, on BT. Um, when that story came out over the weekend about uh, a defence being uh, amassed um, to protect it against takeover because of where its share price was, I sort of looked at that and thought, yeah, OK, uh, possibly. And then, but, you know, as I understand it, I mean, when most companies' share price goes down a lot, then it becomes a possible victim, doesn't it? And therefore there's a, a usual shoring up of the defences. What, what What do you feel about BT and are there people circling it to buy it?
1: I think there's always going to be companies circling a a brand like BT, uh, which is so heavily invested in so many different areas at this point. Um, And if you see the share price dip, then there's always going to be people looking at the potential opportunity, seeing where the company should be versus where uh, where it exists now, what short term. Uh, Influences are affecting the share price which effectively creates opportunity so yeah i I do think people are always going to circle and i guess in many in many ways it's why companies you will so often see will do share buybacks when the when the share price does decrease in order to kind of shore things up that's at least one of the reasons why they would do such a thing but i think i think ceos are always and the boards are always going to be very aware um, of, of of what kind of uh, opportunities is presented when when the share price drops and what threats it effectively creates them because ultimately if you do see people circling then the opportunity is suddenly uh, arising for someone who's not the current investors Hmm. in that company
0: is is it i mean it it has a huge pension fund doesn't it that's it that's its big liability everybody points towards that don't they A, a private company now but with a public sector style pension fund that needs to be supported
1: and that's always going to be a risk for many, uh, for many of these companies when you do have that long-term liability. Uh, but, like you say, uh, I, I don't think. That's always going to be a contributing factor to if a company falls on tough times and people are looking at uh, difficult liabilities to cover. Uh, But I think there's probably more of a a broader uh, concern as far as BT is concerned, and they have to look at short-term and long-term solutions. The long-term solution is obviously why why is our share price falling as far as it is, Uh, and what do we need to get investors back on board? The short-term, obviously, solution is how do we protect investors now and prevent, uh, like I say, prevent uh, people circling around and looking uh, at us as a, as a, as a, almost a cheap buy
0: tesco to add 16000 are these are permanent jobs aren't they for online um again because of the pandemic we haven't had our usual litany of you know to, to supermarket wars and all the rest of
1: it but are we seeing are they, is this quite a positive move for tesco do you think for tesco it certainly seems to be the case um we again we've talked about on the show plenty of times now uh, about the the kind of the acceleration of the evolution uh, in terms of how people behave and one of them is online shopping and so those traditional retailers that have a, a strong uh, online shopping presence have, uh, have seen a boom in this area over the course of the pandemic and it's come at the expense of many different businesses not just the ones you'd expect the Aldi's and little of this world who have done so well over the last decade or so uh, don't have an online presence so they are going to suffer as a result of this evolution um, but then there's also other areas where you can imagine that it's going to come at the expense of ultimately it is a zero-sum game if Tesco online gains and somewhere else has to lose some of that will come maybe from in-store shopping so it's kind of just a tra- it just kind of transferred rather than lost uh, but then there's other going to be other areas uh, as well whether that is uh, smaller local shops because people are spending more online rather than going to the shops themselves you can imagine if we've seen An acceleration in the trend from working from home, then all of a sudden people obviously need to make extra meals. Everyone you speak to talks about how their 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 food shopping budget has ballooned uh, since this pandemic Mm. started. Well, if you're going into the office less, then you're obviously going to be spending more uh, creating your food at home. So that you can see that it comes there for the expense of the the shops which would exist around the office, for example. And there's going to be many other areas as well. So yeah, Tesco seems to have done uh, very well, Uh, and now they're just going to hope that this investment will pay off, pay dividends in terms of the trend sticking and them having a strong foothold in an area where the competitors that have eaten into their market share over the years don't have any foothold whatsoever.
0: And if we're all eating more, Mike Ashley is hoping we'll be working it off at some stage.
1: Yeah, we will. Another investment in a struggling uh, retail store, uh, retail outlet and also gym. It's a really interesting purchase to be honest. He, I, I, I always wonder whether Mike Ashley knows something the rest of us don't because we seem to spend half our time talking about the decline of the high street and as we are he keeps buying up more and more high street retailers. Uh, it, it's another interesting move on his part. Again obviously there is massive synergies given the, the, the area of business that he already currently exists in. Uh, the gyms is the one area where he's been quite where people have raised number of questions because people aren't really going to gyms at this point in time and the move back may be a little bit slow but I guess that's always the case if you want to get something uh, if you want to get a bargain then you're not going to get it when the business is doing well you're going to get it when the business mm-hmm. is doing badly on the belief that it is going to bounce back and I think one thing's for certain people are going to go to the gym again people are going to exercise again we're not all going to become uh, dormant indoors so uh, that could be a really interesting one I think because that's slightly different in terms of the trend of him just buying up high street retailers which is going to be highly debatable
0: i'm sure you can't wait to talk about the jackson hole virtual central banking conference in the united states but let's save that as a treat (laughs) for later in the week and talk about the, 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 the 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 big one we're going to get today really i suppose is germany is that right
1: Yeah, we've got uh, the IFO, and we've also got GDP as well. Germany's uh, fared much better than many of the other European economies uh, throughout this pandemic. They shut down their economy sooner, they seem to do so more effectively, and they opened it up uh, sooner as well. So they're expecting um, a declining growth of around 10%, which sounds obviously like a lot, but you compare that to more than 20% here in the UK, uh, and you can see that they've actually done Fared far better. Same with Spain and Italy as well, who, uh, who were who are closer towards the twenty percent end of the scale as well. So yeah, the, the numbers obviously while being very bad this for, uh, on a comparative basis looks um, much better and then you've got the uh, IFO number as well so this is how how do businesses feel uh, about the economic outlook naturally uh, over the course of 2020 this has dived into basically uncharted territory uh, but that is bouncing back again so uh, the, the the German businesses are feeling a little bit more optimistic again these numbers are always going to be quite volatile though as I've said before on the show and, uh, and given that we are seeing a bit of a second wave now in Germany. Um, I wonder whether the next month or two could see this number start to dip down a little bit again. But uh, the the signs over the last three months have been quite encouraging. Craig Ollum, thank you very much indeed.
0: This is The Business Breakfast with Owanda.
1: Online trading, currency data, money transfers.